Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life in Sport podcast. And we're joined by a special guest. And this is another part of our 2024 Olympic series. Uh, we've got 2016 Rio Australian Olympian Jacob Hansford joining us today. First of all, thank you very much for joining us. And how's your you know day going and how's your weekend? Yeah, thanks for having me, CJ. Um, yeah, day's been pretty good. Um, just really chill. We had a swim meet over the weekend. Um, so it was the first one for the season. Uh, we haven't been training back that long. It's only been a couple of weeks, so it was just to see where the kids were at. Um, and then, yeah, just basically doing housework, just catching up on what I missed over the last week and weekend. Yeah. So really, really boring. Um, but that's, I guess, life of a swim coach. So that's yeah. fair enough. Um, and obviously swimming and swim coach all starts, you know, you, you got to the peak, but there's obviously a journey to get to that peak and that's, you know, being a little nipper for lack of a better term. And what's your earliest memory of swimming? Yes. Earliest memory of swimming was probably uh, learn to swim, I'd say, at the Blackdown Aquatic Centre in, in Western Sydney. So I grew okay. up with, um, you know, swimming in my life basically from the start. I come from a big family of five. Uh, wow. I've got two sisters. So I'm the second young of the five. Um, okay. And a lot of people always... Ask me, you know, um, you know, did did you fall in love with the sport earlier on, learn to swim? I was probably the only one in the whole family that hated swimming. Uh, oh wow, okay. Were you like a rugby league fan sort of thing? Because yeah. that's a very great league area. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I I grew up playing uh, rugby league, and I also did swimming. We basically started swimming for uh, for water safety. Yeah, reason of and course then, yeah literally uh, i think every aussie does that at some point they start swimming for that reason yeah exactly exactly so i you know although back then um i i was i was kind of hating on mum and dad for dragging me along to swimming every time because any excuse i could get out of out of swimming i would um yep. <laughs> how how life changed so suddenly um Absolutely. But yeah, my, my earliest memory was, I, I guess, yeah, that learn to swim at Blacktown Aquatic Centre. Um, and then I, I just kind of kept going through, getting, getting dragged along at swimming and then ended up in squads, ended up competing at state. And then I think yeah. as time got on, I, I think I enjoyed it a lot more. I was going to um, say, all you could say, you started hating it less. <laughs> <laughs> I started hating it less. I mean, I can't say I was a fan of early mornings and I've put my... <laughs> no swim coaching now so i mean i can't really hate it that much if i've uh kept going down this yeah. road that's fair enough and tangenting real quick into as you said you're a big rugby league fan what team did you follow growing up um yeah so growing up i think the very first team we went for as a family because uh you know it, it's a strange tradition. You basically dragged into the team that your parents go for. Um, yeah, or, or where you're born, just depending. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So uh, being uh, from Western Sydney, the closest junior club for us was uh, Parramatta Eels. So uh, yeah. I was a para fan for an early stage. Um, and then when I was 12, I moved up to, uh, well, not I, my, my whole family, uh, except for my dad, uh, moved up to Redcliffe. Um, so I ended up playing for the Dolphins uh, yep. in the 12 year, 11 or 12 year age group. And yep. then from there, I, I just ended up, you know, changing to Brisbane Broncos and I've been a uh, fan of Brisbane ever since. 
Um, Fair enough. Well, with the Dolphins coming in last year, uh, did you, and in my opinion, understandably switch to the Dolphins, or are you still with the Broncos and love that rivalry now in the NRL? Yeah, no, still, still Brisbane Broncos. I think uh, loyalty is a uh, very, very razor thin when you're a kid. Uh, you yeah. kind of bandwagon as much as you kind of can uh but as an adult i don't think you get away with it as much nah, as an adult you got to pick and stick sort of thing yeah yeah no, so, that's fair coming with that um you know uh my lord is with, with the broncos uh i can't yeah. i can't I'm, I'm the same i was born in brisbane i'm a broncos fan have been since like day dot from what i'm from what i've been told um but i know obviously i'm a broncos fan and my mum is a Dolphins fan because she grew up in Clontarf area. So she's a massive, yeah. massive Fins fan. So last year, the two matches, it was heated here in the house. It was great. Um, but this isn't about rugby league. This is about your swimming career, obviously. Um, so obviously, your earliest memory was learning to swim. Growing up, obviously, we just covered that you were a big rugby league fan. But obviously, Olympics happens every four years. Did you pay attention to the swimming and if so, who was your like Olympic idol that you were like, yeah, I've got to watch this person swim? Yeah. Oh, um, for me, Michael Phelps. Uh, yep. I would really love to say uh, an Australian. And my Australian uh, idol growing up was Michael Klim. Um, yes. Yep. But I think the the absolute top would have to be Michael Phelps. Um, from an earlier age in the 2000 Olympics, I was too too young to understand what it was. I remember hearing all about Sydney, um, but I never fully... We're literally the same age, and I, I genuinely don't remember shit about the Sydney Olympics. I know I went for, like, one day, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I just remember so, yeah. hearing, oh, well, like, what's the big deal? Anyway, um, and then when I was nine, the 04 Olympics came around, and I was starting to get an understanding of what that was, and obviously that was uh, the era of Ian Thorpe um, yeah. as well. He, he had that rivalry with Ben and Hugen Van and Michael Phelps was starting to come through at that stage and, you know, um, won six, six Olympic golds at, at those games. And then uh, when I fully understood the sport uh, was the 08 Olympics. Yeah. And we, yep. Uh, he just cleaned ass in the, those yeah. Olympics. <laughs> like it, it's unbelievable. In my opinion, I know that it gets thrown around a lot like when – Ian was a kid and at the 2000 Olympics, you know, they, they said, you know, no one will ever be like Ian Thorpe ever again. And then you've got, no Michael one will be like Michael Phelps in my opinion. No one will come close to what Michael Phelps did for, for that Olympics and what he's done for the sport as well. Yeah. He, yeah no one will, will come anywhere near it again. Um, so I would have to say Michael Phelps and then also sharing, I guess, um, sharing that experience and and going to an olympics with michael phelps competing in that and also competing essentially a, against that us team um who who had michael phelps in it was you know something that you look at as a kid you know as well as i 13 in in 08 and just you know looking back and thinking holy shit i raced the greatest olympian of all time and yeah. i was a part of that relay um not only was it a, a great achievement for being in in one of the greatest olympic relays for australia um but also you know getting that opportunity to, to race in a team against michael phelps the greatest yeah yeah like I'm yeah. getting goosebumps just listening to that, which is incredible. So I can only imagine what it was like, like to be there and do that. But obviously, um, 
there's a road to the Olympics. There's a, it's a four year cycle for all summer Olympics. So how did the road to Rio for you start? Obviously it, it starts obviously after the, the Olympics previously. So around 20, end of 2012, start of 2013. And at, at what point did, were you like, right, I'm going to push for Rio. I'm going to push for, for, you know, a Dolphins spot for lack of a better term. To anyone who doesn't know, that is the Australian swimming team's name, the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it, it kind of became a realization for me that it could be a possibility when I was 17. So okay. uh, all through my early years, I'm not, I'm not a big swimmer. Um, I always used to train for 200 fly. Basically. Okay. The, Ooh, that, that's a, that's a grueling <laughs> race. Jeez. Yeah. I, a harder event. <laughs> I, I could not sprint to save my life. I was so okay, shit at freestyle. Could not swim freestyle for shit either. And then it just got to a point where I to, to keep myself in the sport, um, I always trained for the hardest events. So I would do open water as a kid. I'd do 400 IM as a kid. I'd do turn fly as a kid. Well, I mean, by, by that the, logic, by that right. logic, if you train for the hardest, the, the, the shorter stuff will be easier sort of thing when you think about it. Way easier. And when I came... Yeah. And, and I guess strong enough to then start to compete in 100, 200, 400 free. Um, that's when, you know, I was 18 when I changed my main event from fly mm-hmm. to 200 free, which for swimming, that's a very late, um, you know, late start for really focusing on a different event. But um, for me, I, I knew that, um, that that was probably my best shot for Rio Olympics. Um, so I finished school in 2013. 2014 was com games and yep. that when i kind of was going to tell myself that this was this was the year to make my mark and so after school i didn't end up going to uni i didn't end up working i was like i'm gonna fucking swim full time all your time yeah that was the worst decision of my life it was so oh, shit. okay it was because probably- so? some people say the only way to get to where you want to be is to dedicate all of your time to it clearly obviously this didn't work for you like yeah so yeah, I think for me, it built a lot of pressure. I kept, you know, I put myself in the position where I put all my eggs in one basket and okay. all my work for certain people, it didn't work for me. What what worked for me was um, having that balance between um, swimming, uni and work as well, just working part-time. Um, but yeah, from there, that, that was a big lesson that I learned and I'm grateful that I learned it from an earlier age rather yeah. than doing it and thinking, okay, maybe I need to cut back on certain things to then move forward. Um, so 2014 was a shocking year for me. Uh, 2015 is when I really made a big breakout. Um, Absolutely. Well, because you won, you, you, I don't know if you won, but you made the nationals uh, for the 200 meter free. Yeah. Yeah. So I made uh, my very first final uh, for the 2015 Kazan trials. Um and that was a huge drop for me. Uh, in that same year, I moved to Adam Cable at SOPAC. Uh, wow. and, and that was a huge step for me. Um, and he, he's a big influence on on my career even now as a coach. Um, so, As in you still go to him for advice as a coach sort of thing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. I'm still – the position that I'm in, um, I guess, for my coaching career, I could not be any better. I've got the best coach – in my opinion, in history, Dean Boxel, he's one of my mentors. Um, you know, I've got really, really good mentors in my life uh, to becoming the best, not only coach, but person that I can be. Yeah. So, yeah, and Dean Boxel being one of them, Adam Cable, 
Um, one of my colleagues, Andre, Richard Slight, you know, I've got Cam Gladhill now who came up from Sydney. I've got some really, really good mentors uh, in my life. Um, but, yeah, he, Adam is not only a big um, influence on my life, but, yeah, he's just a really good mate. Um and he's helped me through a hell of a lot, in, including, you know, he's the one who got me on that Olympic team. He took absolutely this very average swimmer um, and took me to the Olympics, which I couldn't, I'm, I'm I guess, forever in his debt for, for what he's done for me and, and my life. Um, but, yeah, it was that 2015, I made one university games and that was my kind of big breakthrough, went there raced really well ended up getting third behind two americans um for the 200 free and then our four by two ended up coming second so i raced the personal best time leading off for the relay then and then um yeah the crazy year of olympics was uh very memorable uh, i was very yeah. of ups and downs i had probably yeah. the best preparation possible for the trials and then had the shittest preparation for the olympics so okay. Well, let, let's get into that. Bef obviously, before getting into the Athletes' Village, there's, you know, um, paperwork that needs to be filled out, this, that, the other. What was the process like leading up to the Olympics in 2016, as in the two to three months beforehand? And then what was it like, you know, getting into the Athletes' Village and, you know, really being around the community of not just swimmers, but like international athletes of all disciplines? Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess the process for getting in the Olympics straight after um, straight after trials was very, um, I guess it was very stressful for me. Uh, other people, I wouldn't say so much, or at least it didn't seem to be so much. I mean, maybe they'd qualified earlier, like as in before the trials sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, well, I was on an Olympic team that had a lot of, I guess, veterans in the sport who had okay. been and 2012 Olympics, but gotcha. uh, basically the process after the trials are uh, you go into a staging camp um, and you you spend as much time with the team as possible. Um, from there, you go back to your home program and then you train for about, I think it was maybe four or five weeks before then uh, going into another staging camp at Auburn University in Alabama. So that was yep. pretty cool. Um, and then from there, you're basically in camp the whole time until the Olympics. Um, but yeah, the the it, it was kind of a crazy time because I'm not sure if you remember CJ the Zika virus going around at that I, stage. I do remember that. Yeah, that was the peak of it. Also, it was always uh, that that being part of it um, was was also adding to the whole you know stress. Yeah, five years later down the track when COVID popped up, I. <laughs> All the, the athletes and Olympians in that stage went, oh, yeah, it's kind of probably a bit of bullshit again. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so it for, for me, it um, it was an incre incredibly stressful time for me. Straight after the trials, I went back to training and I was training pretty good. Um, and then I ended up getting a really bad stress response and ended up having shingles. So Shit. shingles that had a huge effect on me uh, at the time. I, I ended up spending four weeks out of the water and that's not necessarily, um, yeah, a, a great lead up to... No, Olympics, let alone anything. Yeah, for, for one of the best relay teams in the world. 
um, and, and you've got to be a part of it and make sure that you turn up and perform on the day. So that for me was huge. Um, and, and the effects that I got from shingles after I've got, um, some scarring on my face and I had some yep. scarring as well. So, um, not only did it affect me then, it's it's still uh, minor minor effects now. So I've got um, partial blindness in my left eye from it. Oh wow! Yeah, so it, it affected a bit, but um, yeah. And then we went into staging camp. Um, you know, got through to Olympics, and basically, yeah, from there it was it was pretty nuts. Knowing that you're in the Olympic Village is pretty surreal. Um, but also the people that you see in the Olympics, the the Probably the most famous person that I saw first was Novak was just training on the court as we're walking yep. along. And that was pretty crazy. It just seems like you're in this bubble of, you know, what is the Olympic Village and I'm passing Novak Djokovic just training. Like, Yeah. Like, like as if it's nothing. Like as if it's just a Sunday yeah. Arvo. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, does this guy even know where he is? Like, <laughs> it's just. It was just so normal. It just felt like so, such a normal lifestyle. You're like, I've just seen you dominate my childhood at the Australian Open, and now you yeah. now I'm just walking like amongst you, sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, Olympics was was awesome. The atmosphere was awesome. Um, not only racing against someone like Michael Phelps is, you know, something I'll always remember. But also watching him dominate and you know win that 200 fly event was probably the best event um from anyone else being not australian uh that was my favorite my two favorite ones were obviously mackhorn winning on night one that was freaking crazy uh and then kyle um winning the 100 free and just was was also nuts but um yeah kyle kyle was in the same apartment as us and his whole approach to that final was just the most calm I've ever seen yeah. anyone because obviously uh, Cam was world number one by heaps. I think it was like half a second he was yeah. in front of the field. He dominated trials in that 100 free going 47-1. Kyle was second and I think he was, yeah, 48 low, I think, at that stage. Um, and just Kyle's approach to that was, oh, yeah, you know, I'm here. I went in ranked eight. Made the semi, yeah, cool. Made the semi, world junior record, whatever. Then made the final, and he goes, "Well, I've kind of set out what I've planned to do. Like I was top eight. This is anything further from this is a bonus." And then yeah. he like, won, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like that's that's crazy." Just how calm he was in that whole approach. Being it, it could have also been because he was so zoned into it as well. He was just locked in as well as being calm, like maybe because he was so focused is what caused him to be so calm as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, wow. and I was getting up and winning the four by one, that being so dominant, even now it's been so dominant since what, 08. And, you know, they set break world records every time they get up and race in that four by one for the girls. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's pretty nuts. That's fucking awesome to hear honestly um obviously you've got a few tattoos do you have the olympic rings tattooed i do yeah i got the olympic rings on my chest awesome um, i got the olympic motto on my arm um these were new additions to this okay. year um so i've got the samurai on my inner Very nice. with the yep. cherry blossoms and i've also got the birds and the rose um, that's awesome 
Yeah, the birds on the rose don't have any meaning. Um, yeah. I just really like the design, but the the samurai I really like what it what it kind of stands for in in discipline and and you know respect to others. I yeah. I've lived a lot of my life by that, but it doesn't really matter what I do. I need to remain disciplined in my life. Um, but yeah, I just really like what it stands for, and and also the meaning of obviously the Olympic rings and and the motto as well. Of course. Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the um, one of my favorite things to do this, you know, Olympic year while I'm interviewing current and former Olympians is obviously asking if they've got the rings tattooed because a lot of them have them in many different ways. Example, I had, um, uh, geez, I'm brain farting hard right now. Um, in the edit, when this episode comes out, it, the name will flash up right here. But he's got the rings tattooed, but then he's got the Olympiad numbers as in of the years. So obviously the Roman numerals for each one that he, not yeah. sorry, not the years, but, you know, the, it was the 32nd and the 33rd sort of ones that he competed at. So he's got those in Roman numerals as well. Another person has the Olympic rings uh, with the years that they competed sort of thing. It's very interesting to see how you're all Olympians and, but how different and your personalities are reflected in the way you get it tattooed sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, actually mine was, I didn't even have any thought behind where I was going to have mine. I was actually going to have it either on the inside of my arm and then later decided that the Olympic motto was going to sit there. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to get it on my chest. And then, then a lot of people would always say, you know, were you meant to get that over your heart? And I was like, uh, yeah. I've got it on my right side. Yeah, then, I thought so. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot. You got it on the wrong side. But oh. also that's okay though. You're let's put it this way, you're a swimmer anyway. So you take your shirt off to swim, so people are gonna see it regardless. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. They're like, you don't but, have it over your heart, you dumbass. And I'm like, oh well, really? I mean res- reserve the heart spot for family or something. Yeah, I'll leave the left side. I don't know. I I think I'll get probably more tattoos later. I'm still undecided, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um Obviously, we just spoke about the Rio experience. Now, nowadays, you're working with a nonprofit called Superstar Swim League and also St. Peter's Western. Um, talk to us about what what those are. Yeah, so the Superstar Swim League is is kind of of a grassroots swim league. Uh, it's a point based system. So um, we've run one in the past. Uh, at this stage, it's it's pretty hard to find a date around um, what can work, but. Um, we we supported the Eloise Gannon Foundation, um, which is you know a great foundation for our swimming community. Eloise Gannon was a um, a young girl from uh, Clayfield who ended up passing away due to cardiac arrest. Um, oh. Their their foundation was that from swimming, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, yeah. So um, from from the story that I know was uh, she was at training and um, she she ended up um, you know having cardiac arrest and there was no defib. Um, oh, fish. yeah. So basically they, um, they provide uh, defibs to schools, sporting centers. Um, yeah. So that's it awesome. was to, to get behind. <laughs> when I say awesome, I don't mean that's awesome. Her story. I mean, the, yeah. the fact that they created an organization to provide those defibs. Yeah. And so that's run by her, her parents and, and her older sister as well. Um, so, being able to support, uh, you know, a foundation just like that is is massive for us. And even in the event, they donated a, a defib to us, um, which we then um, passed on to the Ironside um, Swim Club, which was really cool. Uh, just getting getting recognition. I, 
they need more recognition, obviously, yeah. but um, for their their mission and what they're doing, we're just we we love to support them. Um, and you know, coming up to winter this year, we'll run another uh, Superstar Swim League. But also on the back of that, I've um I've I've run a, another business um yeah inside of that called Program to Swim, um, and that's basically a whole list of different swim services based um uh, f- for competitive swimmers. Um, and later this year, we'll have more products uh, as well. That's awesome. Well, um, to anyone who's listening, when this episode is out, uh, the link to the organization that Jacob just mentioned will be in the description. So that way you can go and check out the organization, um, give them support, whether whether that's through a donation or if you can't afford a donation, just share the link just to get that awareness out is more than enough. Um, yeah, no, that's that's awesome to hear. And obviously, St. Peter's Western. Obviously, you're wearing the shirt. What is St. Peter's Western? How is how are you involved with St. Peter's Western? Yeah, I, mean, I know what it is. I'm just asking for the, uh, you yeah. know, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, St. Peter's Western. Uh, we're a swim club. Um, attached to a school, St. Peter's Lutheran College. Uh, the swim program has been taken over by the one and only Dean Boxall for I think he's 10 years now, maybe 11 oh, wow. years. Uh, he's been there for a very long time. He was the junior coach under Michael Boll, who's, yep. uh, you know, equally as good as, as <laughs> Dean. Um, yeah, I, I love them both. They're, they're, both, they're both very, very good to me and, and mean both a lot to me. Um, they're both great people, not only great coaches. Um, but, yeah, I, I finished up my swim career in 2021. Um, basically after the Tokyo trials, I was then looking for a job. I just finished my, uh, degrees in sports management. Um, so I, I did a bachelor of, uh, yeah, sports management and international sports management postgrad. I was just looking for a job at that stage. Um, and then Dean, uh, kind of came up to me and said, you know, have you ever considered coaching? It's like, oh, not really. Um, you know, been in the sport for a long time. Yeah, kind of the coaching side, you you feel a lot of uh, coaches, I guess, are very much underappreciated. And oh, absolutely, yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think I wanted to go into that side. Um, you know, there's athletes I've I've you know trained with or been affiliated with in the past where you think there's absolutely no way I'd want to coach someone like you or or yeah. Dylan. Yep. that are in the sport unfortunately most of them are very good um but unfortunately there do come times where there are very difficult parents or and unfortunately the bad situations even though they're few and far between stick it and stick out in your mind more than the great experiences that you have yeah definitely definitely so for me that all, all the the negative thoughts were flushing through my head and basically um his his thought process behind it was well, just start it. You're a casual. Um, see how you go. And if you don't like it, then you don't need to do it. And I said, okay, still looking for a job at that stage. So it was, I was at no risk, basically. Um, yeah. start, and after a week, I was absolutely hooked. And yeah, okay. just the way that things kind of turned out, I, I ended up um, working there for a couple months. Uh, one of the old uh, swim coaches moved on and then um, there was an opening which I applied for for full-time. I have my own squad now for the 11 to 13 age group at St. Peter's and I would not change anything. It's it's fantastic. I've got 
the best athletes I could possibly ask for. Even last season, my the kids that I've had have been awesome. Yeah, that's, so I change anything. That's awesome yeah. to hear. Um, and obviously, you do have, and you will get obviously some bad situations with. Um, parents and, and coaching and, and whatnot, because you both, the coach and the parents want the best for their kid. Just sometimes the views don't align. My my question I'm leading into is, what is there been an experience where, you know, it's come to fruition and it's been, you know, the great, you know, the, a, a great time where someone's gone on to win like four golds at a, at a competition sort of thing where it's your vision and the parents' vision for, for one of your kids that you coach has been like, yeah, let's go. And you know, you've got you've got the for lack of a term, got the chocolates sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I've had a lot. Uh, last year was my first full season with my athlete. So, at the Queensland State Champs, they raced last year. Um, and it was just exceeded every expectation I had. Um, That's for awesome. our squad of, I think we had twenty kids going to state last year. Um. Yeah, we had kids dropping heaps of time becoming state champions for the first time. And and for anyone who doesn't know who's who's watching or listening, uh, Queensland State Champs is as close to an international meet as you can possibly get. So yeah. there are countries from, you know, Colombia, Japan, New Zealand, like so many countries come to this swim meet because it's so competitive. Yeah. And our kids just got up and smashed it. We had, you know, Queensland records broken. We had I think ten state Queensland state medals. Um, wow! One we had seven silver, seven bronze. This year we had a great uh, swim meet again. Um, you know, I've had some amazing athletes, ones that I've coached through to uh, national age. You know, we've had our, our first national age gold medalist. Um, wow. Her name's Leah. Um, had a first state champion last year, Casey Guthrie. This year we've had heaps of heaps of kids. Um, who, you know, dropped heaps of time, made finals. Um, but they just love the sport more than anything, more than the result itself. They love the sport. They love turning up. They love me being their coach, which is more than anything that I could ask for. Um, I, I really do appreciate the kids that I have and, and the squad I have. That's awesome. Honestly, that's so humbling to hear as well because obviously you want the you want the best for them. They want the best for themselves, and it's great that you know they don't feel like oh I have to go to swimming. It's fuck yeah I get to go to swimming, which is incredible compared to obviously your early days where you're like fuck get me out of swimming, yeah. and so now they're like fuck yeah let's go let's go swimming. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I'm the sort of coach that I am. I, I always see the sides that I really disliked as a swimmer. And what yep. others did as well. And I can change things on my own terms being, you know, their head coach. I can, you know, change things. I can be very unique in the way that I deliver a session or the way I'm wanting to deliver an out to get an outcome. I can change it to the way that makes it more engaging for them. I think, yeah, me, me having that experience that I guess not of negative. What not to do sort of thing uh, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So basically, I can change things to the way that I wanted as a kid to give to them. And I mean, from what I can see, they're, they're loving it. So um, I think that's what I, I get a kick out of most is they not only love the sport that's not entirely a very fun sport at times, um, 
but I can change it and I have control over the way that I, I guess, deliver a session or the way that I manage my athletes. That's honestly so awesome to hear. Your feet deserve a break, guys. And what better way to treat them right than with a new pair of thongs? And guys, Toey Thongs has you covered. No word of an actual lie. These thongs are the comfiest pairs I've ever, ever owned. Straight out of the package, soft as heck. You know, they come in single plugger and double, double plugger. I'm currently rocking the single pluggers. Um, yeah, guys, for just $30 per solo pair. And the more you buy, the cheaper they get. And who doesn't love cheap thongs, you know? They also offer a monthly subscription to receive a pair every month for six months. So if you're a thong fiend or just need a new pair, be sure to head to toeythongs.com. Use our code LIFEINSPORT15 for 15% off at checkout. And we've got some quick fire questions before we fit, wrap up with two final questions. It's only five uh, quick fire questions. Is it one, two? No, it's four in this one. First one is Apple or Android? Apple, every nice. day. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, favorite movie of all time. I'm very business driven. So I do like Wolf of Wall Street's very good. The founder yeah. is very good. Um, yeah, very, very business-like movies. I don't like something horror. I don't want to be okay. watching a movie and then just have the shit scared out of me. I just, <laughs> And it's very different because my partner loves horror movies. So uh, we kind of come to a disagreement sometimes, and, and most of the time I just need to settle for a rom-com or something like that. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, how do you like your steak? Rare, at worst, medium rare. I like it as pink as it comes in the middle. Okay. As long as it's not well done, then then that's okay. Because well done's a war crime, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and final question for the quick fire, uh, thongs or Crocs? <sighs> mm. Thongs. And then uh, just recently, over the last 12 months, a lot of the kids have been buying me Crocs. So okay. Christmas, their presents, so I've slowly gone to Crocs now. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let that slide. You know, Crocs are... They're comfy, but they're just not a good fashion statement, but they are very comfy, though. Um, yeah. And we've got two final questions. First one is a bit of an introspective look for yourself. It's what's three life lessons you know now that you would tell your younger self? Oh, um, I haven't, but seeing it, seeing it firsthand, don't burn your bridges. Yep. It's, um, yeah, it, it has cost some people that I've seen in my life. Um, don't burn your bridges. Network and create as many relationships as you possibly can. I um, absolutely agree with that one. Yeah, the, the way that I have gotten to where I am is not through necessarily what I know, but who I know. And I know uh -huh. that... It is definitely who you know, not what you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah create as many relationships and network is... is but I guess... Okay. I guess to an extent with the um, networking and, you know, when it comes to it's not what you know, it's who you know. It is who you know, but it's also what you know about networking to get to the person that you will eventually know sort of thing. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I can I can definitely agree with that. Uh, number three, ooh, there's so many, but mm. um, number three is... Be the person that you want to be. Um, don't be that person that, that your parents want you to be. Um, although I've had very supportive parents in, in that, um, but 
be the person that you want to be and don't care what anyone else thinks because you're going to get to an age where you look back and you just think, why did I care so much about what people think? Um, those are probably the three big ones. So not, not burning your bridges, network, create relationships, um, and, and be the person who you are, who you want to okay. be. Okay. Well, before we get into the last question, I want to touch on that last um life lesson you could say of you know don't be the person others want you to be for lack of a better term um at what point sort of thing throughout your career or you know whether it was recently or whether it was at a young age did you start realizing hang on i, I you know the sort of cross crossroads you could say of i want to i'm going in this direction i want to be this type of person but I don't want to let down other people sort of thing. And at what point did you realize, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to just be me sort of thing. Was it after Rio? Was it before Rio? Like at what point were you sort of coming to terms with that sort of, um, yeah, emotional crossroads? Yeah, definitely after. Um, I think this has only really occurred to me probably over the last two years. Um, okay. I did care a lot about what, people thought of me and also being a huge people pleaser i didn't want to let anyone down even if it they meant almost nothing to me but it also then comes that whole you know creating relationships i'm very strong on that and it's yeah. it's you don't want to affect a relationship but when it comes to a point where you need to um for the sake yeah. of your own, you know, whether it's your own progression or even your own mental health sometimes. Yeah, and definitely. And and that came to a realisation um, probably a long, uh, a few years ago when I was in a previous relationship. And looking back now, um, you know, this is probably the, the best outcome that I could possibly have wanted. Um, you know, wanting, wanting to stay in... Brisbane, basically, because I came from Sydney and, and this was only supposed to be a temporary thing for me. Um, but, yeah, just doing thing on, on my terms and doing what's best for me um, really has, looking back now, I'm, I'm so grateful that I did, although it was very hard at the time. Yeah. Um, very grateful for that experience and going through that hard time. Yeah. Now, that's that's very interesting. Um, and as I'm sure you'll agree with your, like within yourself that you are – happier and healthier in every aspect like since you know coming to that realization which is wonderful and that sort of brings on the next question and final question what's next for jacob hansford um yeah keep doing what i'm doing uh enjoying and loving going to to work and coaching the kids that are that are the the best in the world oh my gosh like i can't i can't be in an any better position and and having the squad that i have than right now so uh what's next for me is basically um i want to keep pushing along this program to swim um you know i'm offering swim clinics um and i, I don't want to do a lot of uh free content uh for those swimming kids swimming parents um tailored for competitive swimmers um and then yeah later down the track uh, i'm just tweaking a few things with some uh product uh prototypes and um yeah i guess getting in the market with those as well, I think would be really cool. But just in enjoying the life that I have um, with, with where I'm at is I'm very happy. I, I don't really need to change terribly much. Um, I'm going to keep working hard in, in the areas that I will, you know, I want to progress in 
which is coaching and, and my own business. Um, keep creating relationships with great people. And yeah, just keep continuing to be happy, I guess. That's awesome. Um, and that brings up the a bit of a final topic, not necessarily a question, but obviously 2032, Brisbane Olympics in particular, not just Sydney, but Brisbane. Um, obviously, fingers crossed, we don't know the future. You'll still be up there and still coaching at St. Peter's Western or, or somewhere. Um, do you think we could possibly see some people from St. Peter's Western potentially uh, swimming at the 2032 Brisbane Olympics? Yeah, I mean, the the best part about the squad I have is looking at them and, and you know, seeing it'd be interesting to see who keeps pushing on to that point, you know. There's a lot of good qualities and a lot of athletes, and, I mean, I might be very biased because they're my own, but yeah. uh, just seeing, seeing the qualities and, um, I guess, the discipline that they have, um, it would be very interesting to know. And I, I hope I still am enjoying and, and still coaching at that stage. But that would be a dream for me to see um, them push along and, you know, not necessarily follow in my footsteps, but hopefully exceed what I've done. Um, and I just want to give them every bit of resource that I can to help them get to that point. But it'd be very interesting to see. Um, and it makes me very much look forward to it, but also at the same time, enjoy the process that I'm in at the moment because I think it'll mean a lot more to me um, at that stage. And um, oh, before absolutely. your predictions for next year, if you want to hear. Yeah, uh, but before, before we do that, um, yep. please, I was going to say, let us know if you're going to be watching the 2024 Paris Olympics. And if so, who are your predictions for this year's Olympics before we go into next year's? Yeah, yeah. So, uh this year's Olympics, um, again, I think I'm very biased between, uh, between towards sorry, uh, St. Peter's Western, but yep. uh, one who I think will have an absolutely breakout year uh, is Kai Taylor. Uh, mm -hmm. He's been on the team for a couple of years. He hasn't um, yet broken out individually yet, uh, but the things that he's done, you know, I trained with him for a number of years under Dean. Um, and and he's capable of a lot more than what he's shown. Um, another one who I who who I believe will have an, a big breakout is Thomas Neal from Rackley, as well. He uh, he's a great guy. He's a great guy, and every time I see him swim, I just think this guy has not even scratched the surface. I believe it. He's been yeah. very unlucky, unlucky with uh sickness i think um one or two years ago he had glandular fever came oh, back and played the horse team um wow. and well, a lot of people don't know that but um that's a comeback especially that, from glandular fever holy shit as a huge comeback and i do believe he will uh have another breakout year he he meddled in the 4x2 in tokyo but i believe he will be definitely one to watch as well okay and next year's predictions that you just um, we're saying that you've got some for us. Let us know what they are. Oh, um, I think for another twelve months, uh, mm. Jack Barclay, um, from St Peter's Western, she's just made the Doha team this year. Um, and and seeing what she's doing with Cam Gladhill, uh, at St Peter's is pretty pretty freaking awesome. It, it's it's a bit scary, um, <laughs> see the things that she's capable of. Um, but 
yeah, Dean Dean's also got a lot of athletes uh, in his team who are uh, capable of, of a lot. Um, Do you but, see it as like a healthy competition between you and Dean as to who gets the more representatives or is it you're happy for each other or a little bit of both? Oh, I'm very happy for him. I, I mean, my goal is to have a full uh, pathway uh, plan for St. Peter's kids, you know, starting as a 10-year-old and carrying all the way through to Dean's squad and, and becoming an Olympic champion would be more than what I could ever ask for. Um, not necessarily I want to ever, at this stage, want to coach high performance, um, but having that pathway and having someone come through the St. Peter's system that would then carry on through to Dean and make the team or, you know, medal, win, whatever it is that would be. Becomes the next Michael Phelps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're my three predictions was Olympics, Kai Taylor, uh, Tom Neal, and then also Jacqueline Barclay for next year. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. And, again, awesome. That wraps up the episode. Thank you very much for your uh, time. And, of course, either the back end of this year or middle of next year, we'll get you on again to see how those predictions, you could say, panned out sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, 